I'm Leonard Nimoy. Join me for In Search of... An Artemis! Good evening. This is Jim Gentilly. We are recording this the evening of January 6, 2001 at approximately... 7.10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, uh, and we're going to try to release it tonight. Uh, this is a special episode. It is just myself and John Heinz. We are going to talk about the events of today, the insurrection that took place that saw an angry mob of Trump supporters storm the U.S. Capitol and uh, essentially cause a halt to the certification of the Electoral College vote. Um, this comes in the aftermath of a months-long campaign by the president, the current president of the United States, to try to delegitimize and perhaps even overthrow the re- legitimate results of the presidential election. This comes on the same day that John Ossoff was projected to be the winner of a Georgia Senate seat in a runoff election, uh, which took place yesterday and which Raphael Warnock won the other seat. So the Democrats, having picked up those two seats, as John Heinz had predicted, now will, at least for the time being, control both the United States Senate and the U.S. House, albeit by narrow margins. Um, John, well, my first my first question is, who the hell do we think we are doing a special episode on this? I I mean, I obviously have been thinking about nothing else since uh, since this morning, but I have to be honest. Okay, well, I don't think that we're necessarily going to offer any unique insights, but we're going to just give our reactions to what happened and and. Maybe it's yeah. Maybe it's therapeutic. Maybe it's yeah. I mean, and part of the reason I bring that up is because it is just us and our other co-hosts and permanent, uh, permanent guest host. Uh, you know, decided they want to rearrange their sock drawers tonight as opposed to, to doing this. So they obviously don't think it's not well, that important. Well, to be fair. And they, I'm not saying that they don't have other things I don't think that's point true. Com- their stated claims are they don't know. It's not that important. I, I don't think they – I don't think that okay. – I don't think that's fair. I think that some of them are unavailable and some of them – didn't feel that they wanted to discuss it, but I don't think that means... Is arranging your sock drawer important? I can respect... Look, no, I don't think they wanted to discuss it. Well, but that's the question, Jim. Why do people... I, I, I accept the fact that some people may be too upset about it to discuss. I don't think that's why they don't want to discuss it. At least one person. I don't think, and we can ask about this next time. My, I suspect. I think the other two people. Are I think two unavailable. are unavailable, and I think one person. The other two. Be, all right, John. Well, no, I, you because really the want to talk reason about this, this is important. Talk about what Jim, I think this is relevant. Is yeah. how important is this? Okay. Is I think the question of the hour. I mean, other than the fact that Donald Trump did this to get attention, important. and he got attention. And he wants media attention. He's whatever he's going to do after he's out of office. He's preparing for, and he's a circus clown, right? He's just trying. He's P.T. Barnum. He's just trying to get his name said, and it's working, and everybody's paying attention. And I am wondering, is it just a media event, or does it mean something real? And I think that a lot of people, not just our co-hosts, but I think a lot of people, uh, are thinking this is not something real. It's something. 
Uh, I, first of all, I don't think that is what our co-hosts think. So, but but I, I guess until we ask them, we can't really get into that. So I don't want to. I don't, but I do want to talk about the significance. I think your question. I think your yeah. question is a good one. I think I I will say first of all, I think it is significant and real, and it is also a media event. I think that that it is both, and. I don't. Th- I think it may be true that there is that all you said about Trump is stuff I agree with, and I've said before. But that doesn't mean he is not dangerous, and it doesn't mean what he has been doing is not dangerous. And I think this shows the danger of what he has been doing, which is you know lying about the election, and obviously the fact that there is a, a group of people that that followed those lies to the conclusion of taking, trying to take violent action against the government. Now, it's not going to prevent the election from being certified. Right. It's not going to result in right. an overthrow of the government. But that doesn't mean it's not significant. So why is it significant it, to you? you know, talk it's about that. Significant. Why is it significant to you? Okay. Well, let me ask you, before I answer the question, I'm going to answer the question. Well, Do I, you think it's um, significant? Do you, do we agree on that or do you I'm on disagree the fence. on that? I mean, I'm I'm seriously on the fence, and part of the reason okay. I'm on the fence is because I do want to dismiss him as a circus clown and his antics as circus clownery, buffoonery. I mean, I think it's a coincidence of history that he got. I think there's a story to be told that it's a coincidence of history this guy got elected. It was a goof. It was an error. It was a mistake. And, uh, you know, he just and, and the system has been resilient enough to just barely by the skin of its teeth, make it out alive. I kind there's a story to be told there. Now, I'm not sure I agree with that. But if that's the story, that's the, that if that's the story. Right. If that's the story, then I think it's reasonable to say that uh, this is just this doesn't deserve attention. I mean, the file, the violence does. I get all that. Right. Definitely violence does. And violence is my threshold. But I think that the 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 idea that that he's doing this to build support in his base. And we can talk about Josh Howley and Ted Cruz and Marco Rubio and whoever, well, not Marco Rubio anymore. He backed away, but certainly Howley and the other ones who are kind of fomenting this base support, which we can talk about in a little bit. I think there's something they're all doing the same thing, but uh, I, I do think there's something that, that this, he Trump never seriously intended there to be, you know, there was no good faith protest anywhere in this. None of it was good faith. And for me, that means it doesn't it's not serious because it was never good faith. And I, the people on the right who would say he's a goofball. Well, when you say good faith, do you mean that Trump Trump doesn't really Trump doesn't really believe he won the election? Whether he, he, well, he may not. That, I don't know whether he believes that. But I, I believe that Trump believes that he could that there was a way for him to stay president even though he didn't win the election. I mean, he may – I don't know whether he believes his li- his own lies, but I think that there at least part of Trump believes there was a possibility that if he told enough lies and he handled it correctly, that he could get away with somehow overturning the results. Sure. He may not have believed it every minute of every day, yeah, but I, I believe there's that. part of him yeah. that believes yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I mean, obviously, no, but you j- can't get but inside d- another person's mind. I agree. But I mean, I mean, let me just uh, let me explain my reasoning. And I understand you agree, but I just want to maybe for my own sake spell it out. Trump 
believes, I think, and I think everything in his life supports this, is that all people are like him, that they're tra- right. they're purely transactional, that they don't ever care about anything except their own self-interest, and that, therefore, you can all, you know, there's always a way to get people to do stuff, and that, you know, codes of honor or codes of, uh, you know, behavior or norms or whatever, that's just, you know, bullshit that we violate whenever it's to our advantage. I mean, yeah, I agree with that. You know, this seems now like so much in the Trump era, the phone calls yes. of the Georgia Secretary of State, yes. which was taped last Saturday, which now seems like that was 50 no. years ago, but it wasn't. I mean, that phone call is clearly, you can picture, you can substitute words and picture that is Trump trying to make yeah. a deal yeah. to get around, yeah. you know, as he's building the building, to try to make a deal to get around some problem that, look, how much do I have to grease you to yeah. get you to solve yeah. this problem for me? And he clearly believes that is how the world works. And obviously, you know, the world does work that way to some extent, but it doesn't work that way completely. Not everything is comes down to that. You can't simply buy everyone you know, all the time to suit your own purpose. And that, and the point is that because of that, I think there's part of them that thought he could get away with this. There's also a problem that part of the thought is, so what, you know, what do I care? What do I risk? He obviously doesn't care anything about the United States no. of America or, no. you know, and honestly, and again, none of this is particularly brilliant. So I'm not, yeah. don't, I hope people don't think I think I'm being brilliant. He doesn't care about the people who support him the most. No. He clearly doesn't. Yeah. He's just using them. Yeah. He's using them. You know, I'm sure it amuses him to think that he's able to hornswoggle all these people. Now, there could, you know, I mean, I don't know whether it matters or not. There could be a a racist demagogue who really believes, I mean, I'm not saying Trump doesn't believe in racism. I'm saying he could, there could be really a populist demagogue who believes all that stuff, and he, that person, May may be more dangerous than Trump if that person arose on a national scale. I mean, right. I don't know, but I I certainly agree that there's a part of what you're saying about him being an accident of timing. He came along at the right time. The Republican Party was splintered. He clearly was not the choice of the Republican establishment, but he won, you know, enough of a plurality of vote to uh, become to win the nomination. And then once that happened, there became a certain engine and mm-hmm. inevitability about it. And he won the election because there is, and this is the part part that's real, there's obviously widespread dissatisfaction and disaffection throughout the country among a lot of people, not just conservatives, among a lot of people in the country. You know, again, I, that again, that's not the mm-hmm. first time in history that's happened. It's not the only mm-hmm. country in the world mm-hmm. right now where that's true. And well, but you know, yeah. He well, to get well, exploited that, but right. Well, he didn't get, win so, so to get back to your, your original lost. question for me was was is this significant? You mentioned the phone call to to uh, to Georgia, yeah. Rat, Brad, and Rat, I got to tell you, I was more Brad. shocked by that and that recording than today's events. When I think about it, today today's events were, were almost for, were foreseeable. We've been talking about it for months. We've been saying this is likely well, that he's I fomenting fun, violence. I, we're, he's inciting violence. We know he's doing these things. I, I have to tell you, I, I have to tell you, 
that I don't disagree with you about the foreseeability today. But from my perspective, as soon as I heard about that Georgia tape thing, I was like, Oh, yeah, but he's a mob boss. I mean, it's a mob boss thing. And and I I can see what he's doing. Well, I mean, let me put it this way. He's he thinks he's probably like a mob boss. I expect mob bosses probably are actually <laughs> better well, at what they're trying to do. I mean, for one thing, well, they let, just me, ask have you a let me ask you a question. Let me ask you a question. I heard today. I heard today in yeah. in on radio on whatever miscellaneous podcast. There's news. I've, uh, Twitter. I've heard this called terrorism. I've heard it ca- called a coup d'état. I've heard it referred to as mob action on NPR. I've heard of this violent protest. I've heard anarchy. I've heard a lot of different terms. What would you call what happened today? I would call it uh, a insurrection. Is an insurrection different from a coup d'état? And in fact, that's what the, well, not, I mean, a coup d'état, I mean, again, I'm not the expert on these terms. To me, a coup d'état implies an organized force some kind of internal organized force, often the military overthrowing an elected government. An insurrection implies that you're talking about, you know, a... And look, let's face it. As far as we know, none of these people, you know, are... You know, these are are a mob. That's generous. It's a mob action by by a group of people that, you know, was inflamed by this demagogue that you know took action it doesn't appear to have been terribly organized or anything like that i mean who knows maybe we'll find out later and i mean obviously we're speaking as it's happening as you know it is 7:30 i mean from what i understand the last report i heard before we started recording was that the the capital has been cleared and they're planning to resume the congress is planning to resume their session at least the house of representatives Tonight. is planning to resume their session at 8 o'clock tonight, which is 37 minutes right. right now as I'm speaking. Now, obviously, that may be overtaken. We don't know. We don't know exactly, but that's the last report I heard. So, you know, again, I don't think there was any danger that the government was going to be taken over today in any effective way. I think that that doesn't mean it wasn't dangerous. I mean, it, the danger is not necessarily complete fatal blow to democracy, but this this is definitely a blow to democracy. And it shows what people, critics of Trump have been saying all along. That and and it speaks to the people on the right who specifically politicians and leaders on the right who know that Trump claims right. are outrageous and have essentially yep. been humoring him to curry favor with Trump. Now why would they do that, Jim? Why would they be doing because that? There, it is. Why would they? Because they think it'll help them. So, with their so this is the thing I don't get. Life. Who are these people? Who is this base? I, I am. I mean, is this uh, the the word you hear on the radio? Well, is I mean, Trump just racist. did get seventy four million votes in the election. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I don't know. I don't. I look again. I you can't read one person's mind. You can't read the minds of seventy four million people. I think well, seventy four million people voted for Trump. I would, my own Well, you got to take out of that you know, all the one-issue voters and all the, quite, the people who just blindly vote Republican and the people... Well, I mean, okay, but... but I mean, who just don't, the people way. who don't think this well, is relevant, I mean, I mean, which includes some of our friends. Fair, 
on the left. Well, no. I again, let's but not I'm just reopen saying. that discussion. But well, well, I mean, look, there are look. I don't think. I mean, look. I think there you can make an argument that we're all racist, and I'm not dismissing that argument. But if, it, but putting that aside, I don't think all people that voted for Trump are did so out of animus toward people of color. I think for and 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 I you know I don't want to get bogged down in this discussion, but I mean, I personally think there are people who could support restrictions on immigration. It doesn't necessarily mean. In my view, that they hate. Well, that, yeah, I recognize from, that, Jim. So it's not uh, seventy-four you know, million people who, who did this today. Who are this base he's talking about? The base is not no. everybody well, well, who I mean, voted for Trump. First of all, it's a crowd. the The original crowd at the protest was, uh, from what I understand, was estimated to be about thirty thousand people. Clearly, it was not thirty thousand people that attacked the Capitol. It was some smaller number of that that attacked the Capitol. Now, having said that, that doesn't mean that this is not not significant. This stuff doesn't it's not like this stuff happens right. all the time, right? It's not like, you know, every right. 4 years this happens. You know, uh, I mean, there have been attacks on the Capitol before. It that's it's not completely unprecedented in the history of the United States. But it but look, a question you raised earlier today, which I think is a good question is, you know, are we imagining a future? Let, I we don't know who's going to run for president for three, four years from now. We don't know who's going to win the election. Are we imagining a future where every time whoever loses the election, the most extreme supporters on the other side, this is going to be the reaction? I think we have no choice is but to do that. I think we have to think that way. For? I mean, I don't know that that's going to happen, but it's certainly a possibility, and that's that's obviously why one of the reasons why I think that today is is significant in a bad way that stuff like that could happen in the future. And I mean and look, you know, uh, and again, I'm not accusing anyone, but people on the left, there are extreme people on the left who could see this and say, hey, you know, they did that the last time. If we lose, right. God forbid, in four years, right, you know, this is what we're gonna do. We're not going to take this line. You know, they don't take it lying down when they lose. Right. Why well, should I, we take it lying down? I mean, there are people no on the No question. Left I heard Noah Feldman today, today on, on his right. Deep Background you know, podcast so. saying the reason uh, he was actually, it was a replay of him being on Axios. I think he was on Axios. He's a Harvard, he's a Harvard constitutional law professor who I kind of have like and dislike. I like yeah, and I dislike him. Is. But yeah. he basically said the reason this is significant today is because the unlike other developed democracies around the world, the United States has the certification of the election done by the people elected. In other countries, they would there'd be like an independent commission or something like that. And he basically his just the takeaway from his podcast, you don't have to listen to it, is is that the United States might need a, a constitutional amendment that creates an independent commission to do to do the counting or to, to certify votes. Well, but my all, point I, is he and his point is simply that any, this is significant minute, because this is significant because now that it's been raised that there's the possibility that Congress can take votes on these things, you know, that's the Senate, the House can vote on whether or not to accept the the votes of the people that the door has been opened and, you you know, the genie's out of the bottle and you can't put it back in. Well, wait a minute. As you were describing his position, he okay. is wrong on several counts. So I happen to know that enough to know that he's wrong on several. First of all, the the law that governs this specifically says that Congress 
Congress and senators can challenge the electors from states and that they can vote on it. So this is not something that wasn't a possibility well, sure. that didn't exist before. And in fact, wait a minute. So, so, so the, he's saying the fact that the possibility exists means now you have to change things. The possibility has always right. existed. And in fact, but it has as been the used. Republicans have pointed out in 2004, members of the House and one senator objected to the electoral votes from Colorado, uh, sorry, mm -hmm. from Ohio being cast for George Bush and raised an objection. And the objection had to be voted mm -hmm. on and was voted down. Now. It's never been a situation where the presidential candidate refused to accept the outcome and encourage this sort of thing. So that's unprecedented and dangerous. But the law itself isn't, uh, you know, the cause of the problem. And in fact, the ceremony, to, to my thinking, the ceremony of having the Congress of both parties register the votes for the president and the vice president is an important symbol of the idea of what we should be about, which is the peaceful transition of power. And the fact that they're going ahead with that process, despite yeah, yeah. the important. attempt it's to, uh, it's important. to undermine Agreed. it, is yeah, an important for sure. thing. For sure. Okay, And I disagree. I disagree with this. And secondly, thirdly, you don't have you could change the law. It's a law that, that sets up this process, not the Constitution. The Constitution creates the electoral process, but the electoral college, but doesn't create this process I think for getting the votes. That was a uh, law passed in reaction to, to the, No, uh, no, that law, the law that sets out that it's January 6th yeah. and that this is how it's done, and you, you can make these objections. That all was done in response to the election of 1876, which was the most contested election in the history of the United States. That was a that was the yeah, election well, just I don't from know a historical it. perspective. And you may know this and other I people who are listening may know, but some may not. In eighteen seventy yeah. in eighteen seventy six, the in, this is, you know, we're talking about a little over ten years mm -hmm. after the end of the Civil War. During that intervening time, the Republicans had controlled Washington. In eighteen well, up until eighteen seventy four they had been thoroughly in control of Congress and the presidency with the election of President of Ulysses Grant in 1868. They had, they had reconstruction was going on. Federal troops occupied the South. In 1874, the Democrats regained control of Congress, and they began to withdraw troops mm -hmm. from the South. And then that's a whole story. Reconstruction is a whole story, and obviously they run books for it. But there were three states where there was still essentially a fight between the forces of the Reconstruction, the Republicans, and the Democrats. There were different, there were actual competing slates of electors sent from those three states. Plus, there was a single disputed elector from the state of Oregon, which I don't really understand, but that's probably a whole other book. Anyway, there were literally two slates of electors submitted. Ted Cruz disingenuously referred to this in his speech, there were two sets of electors submitted. Congress, in order to try to figure out what to do, appointed a commission to try to sort this out. And the commission ultimately recommended seating the Republican electors. That's the formal story. The untold story was that the deal was that 
the incoming Hayes administration agreed to re- withdraw the remaining federal mm-hmm. troops from the South and therefore let the Southern uh, leave the, the, the black, the, what were black citizens of the South at that point, to the mercies of, of, the, of the people who didn't want them to participate in the government and didn't want them to participate in the, in the life of the, of the country at all. And that they would do that and that the Democrats would accept the results mm-hmm. of the election. Now, at the time, the Democratic Party was heavily, you know, dependent upon the South. And it would remain that way for many, you know, for basically the next hundred years. But the point is that that was the bargain, the devil's bargain that was made. Hayes got to be president. Reconstruction came to a, an abrupt end. Um, black Americans were so the deal was made, and then the law was passed. Become president, he served for one term. The law was passed later to deal after that, and it was to deal with future potential problems. You know, in other words, Mm. both you know the Congress said, "Okay, well, what are we going to do in the future if another dispute arises? How are we going to handle it?" And that's this Mm. process was established, and the process didn't call for the creation of a commission. It said, "Here's how we're going to proceed." If if somebody objects to the electoral, it first of all it set it set up all this stuff about the safe harbor yeah, yeah, provision yeah. and what, what states yeah. you know and all that stuff, so that you would not hopefully not get and now all that is to say to prevent there being this dual slate. But of there's no slate involved coming here. From states, each sta- there's no slate. Well, there's a but slate the, the law doesn't specify slates. This is yeah, just about no. I see. This is just okay. There's no. Oh, no, that all goes – all of that is covered in the law, the whole thing about the safe mm. harbor provision and when states mm. have to certify their votes. Mm. That's all covered in the legislation that was passed. And it may have been more than one law, but it was all, all dealt with in the, in the late 18th century after the Hayes-Tilden election to avoid – It does sound like there – it does sound like even then it was transactional. But, but all of that – all of that worked. Uh, you know, look. People, there were all these horror stories before the election. If what happens if Republican legislatures decide to ignore the votes of the people and and pick a right. and pick their own slate? None of that happened. There were Republican legislatures in Pennsylvania, Michigan. Trump tried to persuade them to do it. They didn't right. do it. Right. Uh. Uh. You know all this stuff about how what if Republicans? You know the Brad Raffensperger and Gabe Sterling, the people who run right. the election in Georgia, right. are both Republicans. Yep, pretty staunch Republicans. They yep. upheld the count of the votes. Uh, and I'm not saying that means that they're you know that all. I'm not saying you know I'm sure people have bad things to say about Gabe Raffensperger. I'm aware <laughs> of that, and all, and maybe that's all true. I miss I'm just that. saying that the <laughs> that the system, insofar yeah. of that, yeah. worked. The votes were counted, and I think one of the things. I talked to uh, one of our frequent listeners, Alex Berger, about one. One of the things that I thought was, you know, interesting in a small D democratic way about this election was how, because of the nature of the election, we saw more, much more so than you normally do, how, like, at the very local level, you have these people that are basically not what we would consider important people who are actually mm-hmm. in there counting votes 
for the mm-hmm. presidency in the United States and how that works on a local level. You have Republicans and Democrats doing this. You know, we saw some version of that in Florida in 2000, but this is in a lot of states we were seeing this. Yeah, and I saw I saw a couple we podcasts about about so they were referring good. to how several of these challenges of signatures uh, in some local elections were actually being broadcast on the internet and you could like watch these challenges where they'd like hold up sure. the signature, hold up the original. Okay. I mean, what how much more uh, how much more verification and And we talk about and we we do t- Yeah, I mean, I'm just saying that you know, that's also one of the beauties now that, you know, everything can be streamed yeah. online yeah. and every, you know, any any two yeah, idiots exactly. can have their own <laughs> podcast too, right? I mean, as we're now proving. The point is that that in some respects is, I mean, look, you would have had to, you know, in the past. Yeah, you would have had to, had to fly to Florida or wherever it was, right? Right. Or, or, you know, but I mean, honestly, for some local elections, I've been at the Board of Elections mm-hmm. in Montgomery County, Maryland in the past when I was involved in politics. So I've been, so it's not like I haven't seen that myself. But I mean, just the idea of seeing it, uh, you know, on this level, when the magnitude of it, of, you know, we're talking about electing the president of the United States. And but, well, let me ask you, you know, a couple questions, Jim. Let me ask you the first that one. Part of the, this... the big question to me on the table yeah. is, okay. does this represent a... Okay, are you going to answer any questions or are I'll you answer just answering me questions? I feel I, like well, you no, I have a list of... I wrote down six I'm questions. Sure that... Okay, but sure, you, are I you going to answer any you of your own What do you want to know? I trust okay. your analysis no, more than mine. We've established that on this podcast. I have opinions. Okay, but I want to know what you think. Okay, but I also look. Uh, obviously, there you may be the only person in the world that enjoys me being my pedantic, <laughs> boring self, which is probably the truest version of myself. But I think most people in the world. Well, don't I find do. That I do find sometimes you literally may be the lost, only person in the world. But your points are are you're good, and I trust your analysis. I mean, your your knowledge is blah blah blah. Okay, and, well, and I'm not about people. I'm just saying. Nice. I think you're the only person in the world who really likes to listen to me <laughs> well, talk like this. I well, also I, like what do you to want hear to know? your opinion on these subjects. I just want you to know. Well, I mean, I, like. Well, well, my next question is the, the two things that I brought up regarding this in our discussion of whether to do this podcast. One was I want to know about both of them. One and and one you seem to poo poo, and one you seem to maybe entertain the idea that we could talk about a little bit. The one you poo pooed, and we can go back to this: is is democracy dying? Is there any implications for democracy? No, I think that's worth discussing. Okay, that's a I big think one. That's, worth that's my big question. Absolutely. I didn't. I mean, if you thought I. If you thought and I my second that, question then I, you is, and my second meant, question, which I, I think we should discuss clearly. first, my second question is, uh, is have we ended yeah. a peaceful transition of power? Which is a phrase that I was raised with. I think both of those. Que- and again, I I'm not sure whether it was my fault in how I expressed myself. I think both of those questions are valid. All right, well, let's do the second one first. I, if you if you interpreted what I said as poo pooing either of those questions. Then I apologize, and I, that wasn't my intention because I think both All right, of those so. are a legitimate question. So, well, I think that's the big question, and I don't know the but answer. But we do to know it. the answer. It's over. I it's think. Ended. No, I don't agree. We, well, we, how do you know this that was ended? violence related to the transition? We had right. violence, so therefore right. it is now so over. Question, okay, Us, America maybe, having peaceful transitions no, of power that, is a phrase the, America can no longer use. 
So you're saying that, no, that no, this no. will always I'm saying happen that in the future? The fact that it happened now okay. means that okay. the United States can no longer claim to have a okay. government well, that then has I a peaceful of power. Well, I, do, I mean, I well, don't What does today true. mean to you, then? I think it's true to some extent. What today means to me is that that it is very dangerous to have a person like Donald Trump uh, uh, in power or close to power, and it's very dangerous for him to be, enab- be enabled by people like Ted Cruz and Josh Hawley. I think that is what it means to me. I don't think it means that we will always have – we're still going to have a peaceful transition power – Joe Biden is going to take office on January 20th, and he's going to do so without, you know, having to storm the Pentagon or the White House. He's going to take over. Yeah, but over someone on, getting shot today on January 20th. doesn't. So for you, a non-peaceful transition I mean, of power means, vile, what? means look, that there's a military. You mean like a military coup no. would be your only? You have a much higher bar. No, I'm saying look, I'm no. I'll, I'll look, I'm saying violence is not unique to America or to American politics. It's okay. happened before. There have been violent political protests before. Today was I, violent I political protests? I interpret this. Yeah. I mean, that's well, why I'm asking, yeah, Jim. Sure. This is what I'm saying. It's, I don't th- the signif- You're downplaying well, the significance of today. Okay. I'm not downplaying this. You know, I started well, you started out, out but now you're backing away from that. And you I were, hear you. you. You said you were on the fence. No. You're, what I, the reason you're saying, because I... Think I don't think it was a. Th- I said I don't think it was a threat to 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 take over the government, but that doesn't mean I don't think it's significant. I do think it's significant. So an att- a coup attempt, a coup attempt, has to be successful to have been an attempt. You, I mean, a- an attempt means you try well, something no. and fail. I mean, wait, John, you're getting well, hung no, because, up on the language. I don't think. Yeah, the I don't matters. think that the government was. Ser- I don't think that the government. Seriously, whatever you – if you want to use the word coup, I'm not going to fight you about that. But I don't think the government was in a serious danger. Well, that's fair. I agree with that. But I think I've heard more for what – I'm going to – and I'm going to use this word. I know it's a trigger word with you, but I'm going to use it anyway. I've heard more elites today on Twitter, people who I consider like people I respect, professionals, highbrow, like former officials and such, use that phrase over anything else. I mean when I heard NPR say mob action – well, no, okay, Jim, it matters fine. because if you're I'm saying not, it's, again, a, it's a violent political protest, that's very different. It, that doesn't okay, go to democracy fine. anymore. It's it a, goes to just a, violence. It's a failed coup. Well, that's, that, 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 that matters. The United States can now historically say we had a failed coup. You had a successful coup in 1876. We <laughs> okay. just talked about All right, that. well, that's my question. The point is right, so you, that... Okay. The point is that none of this stuff is unique in history of the United States in that sense. It's unique in the sense that, you know, it's unique in the sense that no two historical events are the same. <laughs> Look, we had a civil right, war right, right, because right. one side didn't want to accept the results of the election, and we're still here standing, you know, 150 years later. Well, as so a what does it mean? What, what is or the implication of democracy today? Let's go to the big question. Okay, here are the implications. If this becomes the new normal, which is what I thought your question It goes was, to that. That's part of it. Uh, in terms of the end of peace. Okay, if it becomes the new normal that whoever loses the election engages in violent attacks on the build of the Capitol or whatever you want to call the it. Process. By, you know, yes. Assassinations, right. whatever. 
if, you know, if that becomes the new normal, then obviously this becomes and no one's thinking that's going to happen. I think even if you more terribly people, significant. A thousand people, no one would say that's what they expect is going to happen. Well, I mean, I worry about. I bet if that, we can ask Shelly, Peggy, and Beth, but I'll put I money out they're going to say no. This isn't going to happen next. I, time. I don't know what they'll say, but I. I don't so know. the implication for democracy that? for today is you're saying that it only has well, an implication I mean, if it's done in the future. Obviously, it is a bad. No, I think that's one thing. I think that's one thing. I think it it's obvious. Look, the events speak for themselves as being terrible. Somebody got yeah. shot yeah. in the Capitol. The Capitol was attacked and ransacked. All those things are terrible, and so I don't need to explain no. why the events of today were terrible. If you're talking about what the implications are for the future, I think that's one possible dangerous implication. I think another implication is, and I think this is already, that this clearly is damaging to U.S. prestige in the world, whether you care about that or not. I do, and oh, I yes. think it's no clearly damaging. Okay? But it doesn't mean it's the end of U.S. prestige. It doesn't mean we can't recover yeah. from this, okay? But I do think it's clearly damaging that way. I will also say, and, uh, you know, again, I, this is my opinion. I can't prove this true. I think this will be terribly damaging to Trump's brand of politics and Trump himself what? and the Republican Party because I think that this will – this – and the results of the Georgia runoff hurt Trump. The Georgia I mean, does. Let me just say a couple of th I think this hurts him too. This is not a good look. There is no – politicians, even, even Trump, that ridiculous non-statement he recorded is because people convinced him that being associated with violence is not a good look for a politician. And that's true. The lowest approval rating that Trump had – during the entire course of his presidency, was in the aftermath of Charlottesville. Mm -hmm. Yes. You recall, we, yes. we did an episode. About I've thought about Charlottesville and a lot in the, the, in the that was the this, a lot. Okay, and so the Charlottesville yeah, was clearly, the preview. No this, question. Clearly, okay. Now, uh, Trump <laughs> did not specifically, you know, give a speech to the crowd in Charlottesville and incite them the way he did with this crowd today. He sort of, but did. you know, he created the he, well, he created the the atmosphere that that. He certainly created the atmosphere. He certainly cultivated the atmosphere and cultivated these feelings and that create that created the the tinderbox for Charlottesville. But today he's more directly responsible because he actually spoke to this crowd and told them to march on the Capitol. I don't know, you know, you know. You can say, well, I wanted them to be peaceful, but anybody who thought it was a good idea. And that, that that the likely outcome of urging the crowd to march on the Capitol was a was a quiet, peaceful protest is is ridic that's ridiculous. That was a terrible thing, and you know he deserves all of the blame for that. Um, but well, the point, you well, know, well, we're getting again, no. I don't. I, I mean, I'm sticking with here. I'm sticking with my big but, question, which is implications yeah. for democracy of today. I don't think that. So I'll answer my question. <laughs> since you, you since you asked me, my answer my answer yeah, for the implications of democracy you, but... are: I think that every it's incremental. It's an incremental impact. Trump's a lot of the things Trumps have done. Trump has done that have broken norms have been incremental impacts on democracy because 
even though we in the United States have a written democracy, unlike, for example, in the UK, where they have an unwritten democracy, uh, unwritten constitution, sorry, we have, an unwritten, they, we have a written constitution, unlike their, their unwritten constitution. The, right. the, it's not complete, right? It's a, it's a, it has a lot of room for, for wiggles, a lot of room for interpretation, obviously, you know, whatever. Forget about the courts, just for regular people. But because of that, uh, as there have been norms, and norms are very important, and they're very important to me, and they're very important, for example, in international law, which I studied, uh, that norms actually end up really are controlling law. They're viewed as controlling law in international law. Something that's normal or a norm, to change it is a, is a radical move. And every time Trump has broken down a norm, it's been another incremental hit to democracy. And if I were talking to my you know, teenage nieces and nephews and saying, you know, why does this matter and why should you care and why should you be engaged with this and should you be outraged or should you be taking action with your local officials or doing something or responding or making a podcast or doing something, the, what I would say to them is the, 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 the harm to democracy is when there is a, when there is a movement of of power away from voters, away from when from enfranchisement, and when people are and and the all of these things that Trump has done, every single one of them, um, it's has been a has been an incremental hit to that. And for me today, having for me another the other the the other major line is violence. He caused the violence. He incited the violence. The violence happened, and once you get physical violence, I mean, you can steal a billion dollars. That ain't the same as physical violence. Physical violence is the bad, bad thing. And today, it crossed into that. And I don't care how many people were hurt or how little or how big, and you can talk about that too. But it is there is no question that the impact for democracy today is a substantial hit on the ability of this country to run itself through the will of the people. And that is... The, and that is because well, Trump and, and this is why I was even more outraged by Georgia and the phone call to Georgia was because it was such an obvious attempt to subvert the votes. Whereas today I didn't I knew he wouldn't I knew this wouldn't succeed and I expected this to happen. So I would say um, the violence is most out, okay. more outrageous, I, but less impactful. I agree with that. Well, I agree. Well, I don't know if I agree about the very last thing you said. But I basically agree with everything you said. Here's where we may disagree. Maybe we don't disagree. My view is that all of that, what you said, is true. My view is that it's that, however, it's we can recover from this. And I don't know. If well, you well I mean, the, there. I see. I don't think this is a. Uh, the question is, do you put all this on the floor on the at the feet of Donald Trump? And I. I always there's an there was a report that came out of the United Nations and there's there have been a, there have been and some nonprofit groups in the U.S. some kind of progressive nonprofit groups in the U.S. that have come out with reports saying that basically the the belief in democracy in the U.S. among youth is declining, um, and it's it's and it's a, it's been a pretty substantial trend over a pretty long period of time and it predates Donald Trump, and I think that. Ignoring that, we ignore that at our peril, and I think we have been ignoring that. Uh, I think this is exacerbating it and ramping it up very, very quickly. And I think that the nationalism, and quite frankly, it's not just in the U.S., right? I mean, Brexit and things are happening worldwide. I mean, you know, Or Orban, and I mean, there's a lot of examples worldwide of this uh, this same thing happening. Um, but 
in the there's there's no question that both worldwide and in the U.S. belief in democracy is 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 declining. Now, I think there's pretty obvious reasons for why Gen Zs and Gen Alphas maybe I don't know if they have opinions yet, but they probably do. Uh, Gen Zs, Gen Alphas, and Millennials aren't so thrilled with democracy. It hasn't done very well from them, and a lot of baby boomers are you know going to their graves with some pretty fat pocketbooks uh, and some pretty fat you know. Fat retire, fat stock portfolios. So uh, I think there's something to be said about th- there being a- an economic distributive problem, and or you know redistributive problem, or you know a- income inequality problem that's tied to linked to all this. But at the end of the day, democracy should address all those things if it works. And if democracy is not addressing it, those things and those things predate Donald Trump, uh, there there it's a problem. So when you're saying we can recover. I what I hear you saying, Jim, is you're saying we can recover from Donald Trump, and that may be true. I may agree with that, but can we recover democracy being a, a, a thing that everyone believes at the levels that they have believed in the past? I'm more. I'm. I don't mean to be a you know complete dark dark clouds guy, but well, I do think that. I don't. I don't know. Well, I don't know. I mean, just look. The trend, look, I agree with you, and first of all, this no. is not a U.S. problem, and it does predate Trump, and that is there is a there is definitely a rise of nationalism, tribalism, and there is definitely a decline in faith of democracy. Now, we can talk about the causes of it. I think some of the causes are economic. I think some of the causes are, uh, you know, a revival of tribalism, which is not necessarily related mm-hmm. to economic concerns. It may be in some ways tied to it, but not necessarily. But I I definitely agree with all that. The question is whether that trend is inexorable or inevitable, and I, I don't think it has to be. I'm not saying that I know for sure it's going to be reversed. I'm just saying that I don't think it's inevitable that it has to continue. But when you were saying That's it, were you talking point. about Trump or were you talking I, about I, that broader trend? I'm, okay. No, I'm talking about both things. I mean, Trump is going to be out of power whether he likes it or not, whether those people, you know, those coup plotters or insurrectionists or whatever, whether they like it or not, he's going to be out of power in two weeks. Now, but the forces, the underlying seeds of dissatisfaction that he's preyed upon do not, you know, they yeah, do and not. That Josh Howley and Ted Cruz are and, are And as you pointed as well. out, and well, well, okay. I think those are exploiters, and I don't think they're the underlying cause, but they're enablers. But I mean, as you pointed out, this is no. not unique to the United States. This party of you know uh, right wing nationalism exists, you know, throughout Europe essentially. And you know, let's be honest. To me, the more fundamental issue is the res- the and you know, I'm going to invoke my late former boss, Paul Sarbanes, because this is one of the things he used to, at times, lecture us about, and I probably, being a stupid 22, 23-year-old, probably, you know, thought, I don't know why he's (laughs) going on on about this, but, you know, incredibly smart of him. He's saying, and and in fact, there's a quote in in the book that Theodore White wrote about Nixon's impeachment called Breach of Faith. He has... Sarbanes is not a big player in that book, but there. But Theodore White did interview. I mean, has one quote from him in there, and I'm, I'm doing it from memory. I don't have the book in front of me, so I wasn't prepared for this. But essentially, the quote is the same thing he would talk to us about all the time, which is 
that people lose the distinction between yeah. substance and process. Yeah. Because the, the process of democracy, of, of rules and norms, whatever, and laws, you know, that needs to be respected, even if you are yeah. on the wrong yeah. side, even if yeah. you're on the losing of side course. of the argument. And he was saying that, you know, he was saying that people have have lost. Now, the, he's talking in 19 when he when he gave that quote to Theodore White, mm-hmm. it was 1974. So, again, it's, you know, we've you know, I'm a little bit older than you. I remember when, you know, the Capitol was bombed by left. I mean, the Capitol building was bombed mm-hmm. by leftists mm-hmm. in the United States mm-hmm. in the early 70s. So, again, it, you yeah. know, there are threats. And, you know, again, they were never a serious threat. They were going to take over the government, uh, despite what, you know, people, some people in college dorms may have thought at the time. But, again, people do lose faith in the system. I think, I think people recovered from that loss of faith to some extent. I mean, there's always people. There's always some element of society that doesn't have faith in the system. I agree with you that we need to do whatever work we need to do. But, you know, let me just, and again, not to be Pollyanna, let me give the opposite side of the story. There are people in the state of Georgia who have been working for years despite obstacles. And they have created a situation where the turnout for the runoff election, which is usually much lower, was actually higher than the regular It's an amazing statistic. And to me, that's an example of how you obviously you don't get people to vote at that level if they don't have any faith in democracy. So to me, that's an example of how you can... Well, so I so I agree. There, I I agree with all that. The uh, the other only other thing that I wanted to bring up that I've thought about, and you've poop, you poo pooed this, or maybe I thought you poo pooed this in the past, and we've talked about it, is something else that's distinct now from or different now from anything that occurred in the past is the existence of social media, and the impact absolutely that that has had on this seems to me to be profound. I would say. If, and this is off the cuff, but this this is just this is me speaking out loud, thinking out loud. Uh, I think that part of the reason that Donald Trump went as far as he went with this pushing them to go to the Capitol and march and speak, and he's he is because it's so difficult in a media saturated age to get through to people, and if you're P.T. Barnum and all you want is for people to say your name. In this climate, in this world of social media, where it's hard to get people to mention you on their Facebook feeds or on their Instagram feeds or on their whatever, Twitter, anywhere, wherever they're talking or looking, uh, because people aren't looking at the same NBC news like they used to. Walter Cronkite's not telling everybody the truth. That to get through to them, Donald Trump had to do this more extreme thing and get to, to get himself out there. And, and that, I think, is going to continue. And I think that will there will be many other uh, characters like him who are going to come along and recognize that you have to be louder and more outrageous to get attention in this media saturated age. And, and I think that that, that that's one impact of the social media piece. The other piece is uh, of it is, you know, I'm not a huge fan, but I do like Kara Swisher uh, who's now, you know, doing that, doing her, she does her sway podcast. And, you know, she on Twitter today was going out and saying, Jack Dorsey, Mark Zuckerberg, why the hell aren't you banning Donald Trump right now. Um, I heard that Mike Pence 
changed his Twitter handle to he or he unfriended or he stopped following Donald real Donald Trump and he changed his banner in his Twitter feed to being a picture of Joe Biden. And uh, I I guess I in the, my mind I'm thinking if this if this is at least right now laid at the feet of Donald Trump what happened today and if it's being led if you want to call that by Twitter. Well, it should be. Right, it should be. I agree. I agree. We're talking about, I I meant versus the long term democratic stuff, but for sure, this should today unquestionably be laid at the feet of Donald Trump. But if you're going to, it seems to me to make sense to say, Jack Dorsey, why didn't you pull the plug on this guy? You you don't you have no obligation to keep well, this guy in your on your system. You can turn him off. And as usual, you're previewing our future discussion about big tech. Well, because it's everything. It's where we spend our well, lives. Well, well, okay. I agree with you that social media is a unique force, a unique historical force. The impact of it, I think, is harder to know. I will say this: I agree with you that we live in an age where being outrageous, where being, uh, you know, uh, over the top is a strategy that people use and use successfully. I do think, however, and, you know, again, this goes back to my earlier point. I think what happened today will hurt Trump. So what I guess I am saying is I think you can go too Fair far. Enough. I think that the, the other effect of the social media is, is that if you go too far, if you provoke something like today, it's going to turn people off. It's going to turn people yeah, off that normally I agree. support. I agree. I agree. That would otherwise. And I, I agree with you that the Georgia election is a result and of I mean, that. And I mean, I don't see, I don't see anybody saying, I, if it, if people thought that today was a win for Donald Trump, then people would be rushing to like, oh wow, wasn't it great what happened? And I don't see anybody. I don't see any of even those Republican guys. Those idiots like Jim Jordan. I don't see anyone saying, oh, this was great. Maybe they're going to come. Maybe they are going to say that. Maybe maybe they will. Yeah, I'm hoping. I I don't see it happening so far. And I think the reason is they know this did not look good. The only reason Trump said anything at all is because somebody, I don't know, Jared or Ivanka, (laughs) told, hey, you're going to get blamed for all this, and that's going to be bad, so you're going to better go out and say something so that you can try to say it's not your fault. And I do hope that some savvy political science PhD or dissertation candidate at some point does a study as to what the impact of that phone call to Georgia was when it got released before the election. Because I would love to quantify that. Well, they'll, they'll be arguing that. But I mean, but, but you look, whether even without that specific phone call, the, the, the Purdue Loeffler strategy was they were going to wrap themselves around Donald Trump as tightly as possible to win this runoff election. That was essentially their strategy, okay? And it did not work. And Purdue, who came within very close to winning the race outright Mm -hmm. without having to have a runoff, ran worse in the runoff. So, So there is no way... That that makes wrapping yourself around Donald Trump look to be, and if you can't win that in Georgia, now look, Georgia is not the reddest state in the country. So maybe you know if the runoff was in you know I Texas don't know or Idaho, Ohio, t- Texas it or probably uh, would have worked, uh, or it probably wouldn't. Uh, well, Iowa. Well, you know that's Josh Hawley and question. Ted Cruz. This is a whole whole different thing. This is a whole different topic. But if I were Kamala Harris, I would be 
between the time when I'm not presiding over the U.S. Senate, breaking ties favorably for the next four years, I would be spending all my time and energy building in Georgia and Arizona, you know, trying to hold the fort in Pennsylvania, Michigan, and Wisconsin. And I would be trying to take what they've done in Georgia in particular. But, I mean, we can't ignore what they've done in Arizona, no, I too. Agree. I mean, I that agree. was – we now have two Democratic yep. senators from Arizona. Uh, and, you know, I wish we – you know, I uh, – here's my thought. Let's have – maybe Julian Castro can be the Stacey Abrams mm-hmm. of Texas and Organizing, spend his time – Getting out the and, vote. You know, it may take four years or eight years, but all of that, what we've done in Georgia yeah. can be done well, I have one last – Jim, I have one – and when I say we, what's yes, Stacey Abrams for sure, and a agreed. bunch of African Americans? No, for sure. For I sure. Have I have one last question for you. So, so um, who who's yeah. the representative who said she's going to file impeachment articles tomorrow on Donald Trump? Is the Senate? Is the yeah, Senate? I mean, let me ask I, you, I just want know. to ask you this procedurally. Uh, if this is, is the Senate actually now if it, is is Chuck Schumer officially the majority leader as of today? When does he become no, become I mean, the majority leader? Exactly. No. When the which results is from in the George next when would that certified. be? I mean, will that be uh, before January twentieth? I mean, it, my recollection is it. Uh, I and don't is it know possible the for them question. for the House to pass impeachment articles for the Senate to convict I mean, him before the twentieth? One of the Georgia Senate seats is efficient. I guess I just I mean I've been hearing no 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 and then I'm just like now I'm hearing a couple of yeses so I'm just curious. Because he won't well, be able to run for re-election. Possible. He won't be able to I, run again. Trump, if he gets convicted, won't be able to run for election. Okay, you still need a two-thirds That's vote true. of the Senate to do that. And while That's a good point. While, you know, I let me and let me just also say something else. While I understand the sentiment that wants to do that. And by the way, Donald Trump, you know, I know that Neil Cadial, who's a much more brilliant lawyer than I am, says you can't, president can't pardon himself. I don't think that's true. But even if Donald Trump pardons himself and that's upheld by the federal courts, he still cannot insulate right. himself from state legal action. Right. You have possible crimes he has now committed in the state of Georgia. There's certainly crimes he may have committed in the state of New York. He's going to be, yeah. su- gonna be yep. fighting, in my opinion, yep. he's going to be yep. fighting a lot of legal problems, yep. for a criminal long time. and civil, for agree. a long time. And I don't know, to your point about Trump and Trumpism, that the two are not the same. They overlap, but they're not the same thing. I don't know that in action to bar him from running to office, you know, that we've seen that in other countries, not European countries typically. Yes, that has sure. happened in other countries. And, and you know, and, and all, that has sometimes backfired. In terms of creating a sort of, you know, creating a sort of um, martyr syndrome among, you know, blah, 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 you know. Uh, So I don't know that that's a wise thing to do or to spend time on. I look, I totally get the sentiment. I hear there's a lot of talk on the networks I was listening to about whether or not the 25th Amendment should be invoked to get him out of office before January 20th. I there is a report in the New York Times, or there was before we started this broadcast, that the National Guard was ordered in not by Trump, but by Mike well. Pence. So it's in the New York Times, and again, I New York Times is not infallible, but 
they do try to report the facts as best they can. You know, so uh, clearly we are in a situation, you know, the, 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 it starts with the fact that the president of the United States refuses to yeah, acknowledge that he lost the election. And obviously there have been other sorehead loser candidates yep. in the United States and other countries. That's not unprecedented. It's the first time in a long time where we've had, you know, I wasn't around in 1876. As old as I am, I wasn't around for that. And obviously, Hilarious. Uh, you had a country that was 10 years yeah, out of a yeah, civil war. Yeah, so, yeah. you know, there, you know, there are there are yeah, problems well, we and there are problems. It'll, it'll, we're not going to have a civil war. This is, at least not this right is definitely now. Definitely not something we're going to be. But uh, but but you alone. know, but here's the thing. But here's the thing. If this if this continues to build. This is the, the, the danger. If things continue to build and drift in that direction, you can end up in a civil war. It's not going to happen two years from now or four years from now. But the period leading up to the civil war was a period of, you know, 20, 30, 40 years of this sort of thing that culminated yeah. in a civil war. I think a lot of people have been saying that, that we're at the, we're at, we're at the beginning of something, not the end. Well, it doesn't have uh, – my point is I don't think it's – inevitable or well maybe a future podcast or a future discussion is what we should be doing to avoid that because i feel like that is that is uh that is the million dollar billion quadrillion quadrillion dollar question yeah but we will not be leaving this alone we don't and look i mean like everything else we'll have to wait and see because you know no one no one i know has ever had the power to definitively (laughs) predict the future and in fact Part of the problem of being a human is it's even definitively hard to say what the present yeah. is sometimes. So, all right. Well, thanks for thanks for listening, everyone. Uh, this, like we say, this was a uh, this was a bit of a, a um, spur of the moment uh, moment in time podcast, and we're uh, we obviously would love to hear from you. If you have any feedback, you can feel free to contact contact me or Jim or. Uh, you can go on the go to the to our website www.insearchofanargument.com, and uh, you can put a comment in. It basically goes to us directly, and we respond to every comment we get, and we probably put it on the air. Um, we obviously would love for you to um, subscribe if you haven't done so, and we'd love for you to rate us. Um, but the best thing you can do for us is just tell somebody about the podcast if you like it, if you like what you're here, and um, and uh, we hope you keep listening. So until next time, uh, have a have a have a stay safe and.